Ephesians chapter number four, and we're uh, preaching a message tonight. I'm going to take a break from the parables of Jesus tonight, and the Lord just really put something on my heart to preach tonight, and I, I said this morning is kind of a just a disclaimer for some that might have been visiting, that if they came back tonight, it was a little bit of a stronger message. And so tonight is a little bit of a stronger message, a little bit more of a meaty message. Uh, this is tri-tip steak right now, amen? And uh, this isn't a milky message, this is a tri-tip message. And so uh, if, if you want to, you can still leave. You can, when I pray, you can slip out, and it's okay, I, I won't be offended by that. But if you're going to stay, just just be, just know it's a strong message. There's some strong things I'm going to say tonight. And I'm not apologizing. I'm just giving you a heads up. Ephesians chapter number four, the message title tonight is We Need Church. Amen. We need church. We need church. Amen. We have to have church. And so tonight, I, I hope, I hope you know my heart. Um, this is not my church. This is the Lord's church. Amen. You are my people in the sense of you're my people, but you're not my people. You're the Lord's people. And what, the God, what, what God does is he calls the pastor to be the under shepherd. And the under shepherd is supposed to watch out for the sheep. He's supposed to keep an eye out. He's supposed to have his staff ready to help, to help, to keep the, the wolves away. That's the under shepherd's job. It's not the Lord over the flock, but to feed the flock. And so that's my job. And so tonight, Lord has really put, put this on my heart really strongly to preach. So I said, yes. So here we go. Ephesians chapter four, look at verse one. I'm going to read almost the entire chapter. Paul's talking in Ephesians. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you're called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. It's important that we forbear. We're patient with one another endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is what? One body, one Spirit, even as you're called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of stature of fullness of Christ. I'm sorry, I know I skipped a couple verses there. I forgot to tell you. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18, having understanding darkened, being alienated. Notice that word alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work uncleanness with greediness. Oh, but you have not so, you have not learned, uh, so learned Christ. If so be it that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, we are members one of another. Be angry, and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Would you read verse 27 with me? Very short verse. Ready to begin. Neither give place to the devil. Now, I read the whole passage, but I really want to focus on that verse. Neither give place to the devil. Father, I pray that you'd help me tonight and help us tonight as I preach this message. Lord, I pray that we would hear. And Lord, you know, I've been praying all day for this message. God, Lord, that it would speak to us, Lord, what you want us to be. Lord, please remove me out of the way. And Lord, I pray that your word would convict us and help us. May we be a church that recognizes how much we need church. And Lord, I pray as I preach, Lord, Holy Spirit, work throughout the room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Pray for my mom, and my mom and my uncle Bud is here right here, and they're driving to Arizona tomorrow morning. My uncle, Uncle Chuck, passed away yesterday. And I pray for my mom and him as they drive back to minister to my aunt uh, who's lost her husband. So if you wouldn't mind praying, I forgot to mention that earlier. You pray for them as they drive back. Pray for my aunt and their whole family. And uh, Chuck is in heaven, though. And so I praise the Lord for that. As I get into the message tonight, I want to illustrate with uh, uh, a kind of a, an interesting fact here. How many have ever heard of the Formosian termite? Anybody ever heard of that? Formosian termite? Nobody. Okay, good. I'm going to teach you about this termite. Originally from China, this termite species can be found across the United States, including California. The nickname of this termite, they call it the super termite. That's what we need, super termites, along with those wasps that we have now. <laughs> These destructive pests can chew through uh, all kinds of different types of wood, flooring, wallpaper. They're the most destructive of the 2,000 termite Species. These are some pictures of damage that they cause. In fact, a mature Formosian termite colony can consume approximately one foot of a two-by-four of wood in just 25 days. That's not something you want in your house, amen? The problem with these particular termites is they are subterranean. They come from under the ground. They exploit, exploit the cracks in the foundations of the home. Cracks where the foundation is split or holes in the foundation of the home. They come up through that and they begin working on the, on the, the, the bottom beams and the studs of the house. They begin to eat away at the trusses, the support beams, and eventually will destroy the integrity of a home. And for homeowners, this is a scary thing. You don't want to lose uh, your investment in a home from termites. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have an enemy. His name is Satan. We have an enemy. We have a super enemy. An enemy who is super intelligent. An enemy who is super powerful. An enemy who is super de uh, devious. An enemy who is super destructive. And like this termite, this enemy is looking for cracks in our foundation. This enemy is seeking weaknesses to exploit the weaknesses of things under the surface. We know him as Satan. We know him as the devil. We know him as the serpent. And the serpent, this devil, he is not content to get into one area of your life. He infests every single area of our life. He wants to attack the support beams of God's word in our heart. 
He wants to destroy the roof trusses of the local church in our life. He wants to attack the lamb beams of our prayer life. He wants to remove the floor joists of our joy. The devil wants to take over our home. He wants to take over our family one bite at a time. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your life. He is an enemy to be feared far above a termite. My fear today is that many Christians are allowing the devil to take up residence in their homes. In their homes. Many Christians today are ignoring Ephesians 4.27. And in fact, are giving place to the devil. They're allowing cracks in the foundation of their lives, giving place for the devil to invade, for the devil to work. And instead of facing reality and fixing the issues, instead of repenting in their life, instead of closing the gaps, they are ignoring the problem and they are pretending that somehow, some way, that they and their family are going to be the exception. But may I say tonight, no family is the exception when it comes to Satan. One of the areas we must be vigilant in our lives for the sake of our families, for the sake of our homes, for the sake of our children is being faithful to church. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. We must be vigilant in this area. Ladies and gentlemen, the need for church in our lives has never been greater. I said it's never been greater than it is today. The pull of the world on our teenagers has never been stronger. The pull of the world against our marriages has never been stronger. Satan is seeking those cracks in our foundations like never before, and there's more ways to sneak into our homes than there's ever been. My message tonight is simple and straightforward. We need church. We need church. Tonight, I believe the Lord has given me three simple reasons why we need church. Number one is this. We need church because there's safety in numbers. (laughs) there's safety in numbers. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Look at what Paul says, verse one. He says, I beseech you, therefore, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. I mentioned before, it is so important that we're patient with one another. Amen? We don't all agree on every single thing. And it's never going to happen, by the way. Uh, You might listen to this type of music, and you might listen to this type of music, and you might uh, like this particular kind of car, and you might dress this particular way. You might, you know, and we all have differences. We all have uh, different, and that's okay, amen? All God's people said, that's okay. That's why it's important that we're patient and we're long-suffering. We have meekness with each other because all these things are peripheral issues, but as long as we come together on this thing of Jesus Christ, He is our rock. He is our foundation. And verse number three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, as you're called in the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through you all and in you all. We as a body of Christ, we are one church and there are safety in numbers. There is power in unity. There is power in unity. As a church, when we decide as a church, we are going to do something as a church. We are going to move forward as a church. We are going to uh, uh, decide things as a church. There is power in that and there is safety in that. Isn't that what Paul is teaching us in Hebrews chapter number 10? Let's go there. Hebrews chapter number 10 and look at verse 23 through 25. We quote this verse a lot when we're talking about going to church and church attendance. But why is Paul talking about this? 
Why is it important? Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the faith, uh, excuse me, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us what? Consider one another and to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. There's a reason why we need to assemble together. It's because when we assemble together, we can consider one another. And when we consider one another, we can provoke, we can help, we can encourage one another unto good works and unto love. That's why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, because we need each other. We need one another. We need to be approached. We need to be helped. We need that in our life. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is but exhorting, that means helping, that means encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. I hear it often said that time is short and Jesus is coming back. And we say that often. We say, I believe Jesus is coming back and I believe that he is. And most of us in the room will believe that. But if we truly believe that, the response should be, we need more church. And all God's people said, amen, we need more church. If we truly believe that Jesus Christ is returning sooner than later, then the response to be, should be assembling together. Not less, but more. I said, not less, but more. Boy, the world is going crazy. I agree. We need more church. Boy, the media is full of lies and deceit. Yep, you're right there. We need more church. Amen. Amen. Boy, politicians and this and that. Yes, I agree with all that. But what we need is not more, uh, you know, all the talk shows and all the websites and all the weird stuff that's out there. What we need is more church. We don't need more Sean Hannity. We don't need more of that stuff. What we need is more church. And all God's people said, Amen. As we see the day approaching, as we see it approaching, we need more church. We need it more than ever. We don't need some church. We don't need less church. We don't need once in a while church. We don't need once a month church. We need accountability. We need encouragement. We need help. We don't need less church. We need more church. The devil is strong. The devil is dangerous. There's safety in numbers. First Peter chapter number five, verse five through nine. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. If you read through Ephesians chapter number four, you'll see a lot about humility and long suffering. If you read James chapter number four, where the, the verse that says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, talks a lot about humility. We see here in this chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. That word means serious. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in you, brethren, that are in the world. Listen, tonight, we need to stay in the middle of the pack. Amen? We ought not be drifting away from the pack. The devil likes to pick off those who are away from the pack. It makes me nervous when I see a teenager drifting away from the pack. It makes me nervous when I see a a church member drifting away from the church. Because the devil, don't you think the devil notices that? 
And he sees that heart. It might be a broken heart. It might be a discouraged heart. It might be a disfranchised heart. There might be issues and problems there, I understand. But when you start moving away from the center of that pack, you are exposing yourself to the the devil, to the attacks of the devil. He's dangerous. There's safety in numbers. Don't lag behind. Don't drift away. Don't get away from the pack. Stay in church. Why do people miss church? Is it because they're busy? I told you this is going to be a strong message tonight, so hang on. Is it because they don't need it? Why do people miss church? Is it because they have a schedule conflict? Is it because there's reasons that we tell ourselves? But I want to, in, in humility tonight, I want to make a case to you. I don't believe that these are the reasons people miss church. I believe that the reason people miss church, the root issue, is pride. There's a very strong link between missing church and pride. To be faithful to church takes submission to God. To be faithful to church takes humility with others. Well, I'm not going there because she said that to me. It takes humility to be faithful to church. I've been here 17 years. If I decided not to come every time someone said something weird to me, I would have been here a long time. We'd gone a long time ago. It takes humility. I said it takes humility. It takes submission to God. Being faithful to church takes submission to God. I understand there's emergencies. Listen, I get it. I have four boys. <laughs> I was at In-N-Out lunch today with a church family, and the kid, one of the kids there, Luke, was playing with his mom's uh, thing, sliced his finger open, and In-N-Out. I mean, emergencies happen. I understand there's emergencies. I understand that there's sicknesses. I understand that there is uh, vacations and those kinds. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about missing church to miss church. Why do people miss church? It's pride. Follow me here. Please don't lose me. Don't be offended. But if you think that you're strong enough, if you're a strong enough Christian to miss church, there's a pride issue there. That's a pride issue. Wherefore him, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I don't need to go to church. I've been been in church a long time. I don't need to go to every service. That's a pride issue. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James chapter number four, verse seven, we, we read this a lot. We quote it a lot. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How many believe that? But we're missing half the verse. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resisting the devil only works when you're submitted to God. Otherwise the devil will own you and he'll destroy your life. We must stay submitted to God. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. It's no wonder Satan is destroying lives with sin. It's no wonder Satan is destroying lives with addiction and vice and troubles and depression and heartache. It's no wonder marriages are crumbling and families are falling apart around this world today. It's because people have decided in their pride, I don't need God. I don't need church. So tonight we must remember there is safety in numbers. There is safety in the pack. There is safety in church. 
There's just something about, stay with me now, there's just something about coming into the church building and looking people eyeball to eyeball and encouraging one another and say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing, brother? Man, it's good to see you. There's just something about that. There's just something about seeing, uh, hearing those songs in person, is hearing those songs and singing those songs. There's just something that happens in your heart when you're in church, when you're in church, when you're not in church, you don't get that. When you're not in church, you don't get that. And all God's people said, amen. There's just something about being in church. It's important. It's important. Yeah, look the pastor in the eyeball. And he looks at you in the eyeball. I used to have a pastor. And he knew when I, something was bothering me. I still have a pastor, by the way. But I, when, when I was on staff, I remember Pastor Tharp looking at me sometimes. He'd say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, remember Pastor Tharp. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's wrong with you? Come on, come on. Tell me. You're like, yeah, what's, come on, come on. What's wrong with you? Oh, man, I'm nothing. No, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Come on, tell me now. Delzel, tell me now. There's just something about that. We need that. I said, we need that. Say, Pastor, I'm here tonight. I mean, I know, but we just need to be reminded once in a while. It's important. It's important to be faithful to church. There's safety there. Let me give you number two. We need church because it's spiritually necessary. There's safety in numbers, but it's spiritually necessary. A few weeks ago, one of our members had gotten COVID and now, this was maybe a couple months ago now. Got really sick and stayed home. And, and yeah, I mean, t- if you have COVID, stay home. It's okay. Amen. <laughs> Man, pastor said, I got to go to church. <laughs> you know, no, it's not what I'm saying. And uh, he said, pastor, he goes, man, he goes, we got so sick. He goes, we were out of church three weeks. He goes, nobody should ever miss three weeks of church. He said, that was terrible on me. That was hard on me. And I, I feel for those that are, that are quarantined and have to do all that stuff. And it's spiritually necessary to be in church. It's spiritually necessary. Look at verse 11. Paul says he gave some pastors, uh, excuse me, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means helping them to mature in the work of the ministry, in the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, a mature man, the measure, stature, and fullness of Christ, that henceforth we be no more children, tossed to and fro, tossed around, like everything under the sun bothers us. And everything, every time we read something on the internet, we get caught up in it. We, we ought to get past that stage in our life where we get tossed around all the time. Man, did you hear what so-and-so said? Man, did you see what they said? And so we be every wind of doctrine by the side of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And don't forget, there are people out there, their whole life is centered around deceiving you. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head even Christ. There are repercussions for not being faithful to church. I said there are, being, there are repercussions for not being faithful to church. See, what are those ramifications for not being part of church? Let's work backwards a little bit here in this chapter from what Paul is saying. When we're not faithful, we will not have pastors and teachers, no spiritual authority, someone to look deep into our eyes and see how we're doing. Someone to watch for our souls. We will certainly not be interested in correct correction or help from the pastor. We will not be matured or equipped for the work of the ministry. We will not be uh, have a place to serve or a people to serve. And by the way, we were made to serve. And so listen, listen tonight. If we're not serving, we're not fulfilling our purpose, and we're going to feel depressed all the time. Man, I just feel weird, and I just feel like, like things are not right. If you're not serving the Lord, you're going to feel that way. Amen. It would mean that you're not being edified of the body. and You'll lose your sense of purpose. 
You'll not become matured in the faith, essentially remaining a child in your faith. You'll remain a child and you'll be susceptible to false doctrine, being tossed around with every wind that you hear. You'll be exposed and unprotected to men who lie and wait to deceive. These are the repercussions for missing church. Ephesians teaches us the essentiality of church. It's more than just a conversation. The world wants today, they want a church where they can go whenever they feel like it. The average Christian now goes to church twice a month. That's the average, twice a month. I read a statistic recently that from a time a a person begins coming to church, it's about 18 months before they start getting involved in serving, giving, those types of things. 18 months. Today, as I was at In-N-Out, I saw family after family. Every time I hand somebody a track, nobody's going to church right now. It's a great excuse not to go to church. There's repercussions for that. We have yet to see the repercussions of 2020. We have yet to see the repercussions of missing church for an entire year. There's repercussions. It's no wonder that 47% of millennials say evangelism is wrong. It's no wonder there's repercussions. Church is more than just a conversation. Church is more than just a community. Church is more than just a crutch. Church is more than just a convenience. Church is more than just a comfort. Church is more than just camaraderie. Church is more than just a command. Church is completely necessary to us spiritually. It's necessary. We have to have it. It's essential. Church is essential. It's necessary to our life. It's not an option. Come on, church, help me tonight. I said it's not an option. It's not an option. Church is not an option. It is not an option. If you make it an option, you're being disobedient to God. Church is not not an option. It's not if we're going, it's how we're going. Amen? Amen. And man, I I wrote this out of my notes. I deleted it. I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Men, shame on you. If your wife has to ask you if we're going to church today. Shame on you. Be the leader in your home. Don't make your wife ask you if you're going to church. It ought not be a question in the home whether you're going to church or not. It ought to be we're going to church and unless someone's throwing up in the car, we're going. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful. I'm preaching this message like I got it all figured out. Let me tell you something. I'd be such a mess if it wasn't for my dad and mom. I'm just thankful that I had a mom and dad who didn't have any, never one time in my life, not one time, my dad ever say, I'm not going to church today. Not one, I'm not talking about for the week. I'm talking Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning, revival meetings. Every time the doors were open, my parents were there. Every single time. I'm not talking about they miss once or twice a year. I'm not talking about they miss once, you know, every three years. I'm saying from the time I was born until today, my parents have never missed one hour of church unless they were sick. Not one. See, that's a pretty good example. It is a great example, and I'm thankful for that. But we could do that too. The problem is, is we decide something is more important than church. Can I just say something as your pastor tonight? I know you already know what I'm going to say. Nothing is more important than church. Nothing. Not a birthday party. Not an anniversary party. Not a, nothing is more important than church. Nothing. Nothing. You ought not, you ought not, men, you ought not give, do that to your families. You ought to make a decision tonight. And I'm not thinking about, listen, as your pastor, I'm just thinking about the church as a whole here. You ought to make a decision tonight and say, you know what? We're going to church. Unless somebody is throwing up in the car, 
And if that happens to you, and it's happened, amen? Look, I got kids throwing up right now. Look at that, leaving. Amen? I know this is strong tonight. I know that other churches don't preach like this. I'm not going to apologize for it. There's too much at risk. There's too much at stake tonight. I believe in the devil. I believe he's real. And like those termites, he's looking for cracks in your family. He's looking for cracks in your home. Anywhere he can sneak his devilish little fingers through and get a hold of your family and a hold of your life and shake the foundation of your family. He will. And he won't stop there. He won't stop at the powder room. He won't stop at the guest bedroom. He's moving into the master bedroom. He's moving into the closets. He's moving into the trusses. He's moving into the support beams. He's going to shake the foundation if you give him place. You give him place. I understand that going to church won't fix all of your problems. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that's one thing that we can control. I said that's one thing that we can control. We can be faithful to church. I said we can be faithful. As far as I know, Brother Asprelli, in 17 years, I've never missed one service here at this church unless I was deathly sick. I don't even think I've missed because I was sick because I don't think I've ever been lucky enough to be sick on a Sunday. Amen? No, I'm just kidding. Just teasing. But, you know, you figure it out. I remember one Sunday, man, I had my suit on. I had my white shirt. I always wear a white shirt on Sunday. I had my tie. I got my shoes, my nice shoes on. And I'm getting in the car, Brother Padillo, and I see one of my pigs running across the road. I'm thinking, how am I going to do this in a suit? Figured it out. Oh, I can't make it. My pigs got out. Oh, oh, I just can't do it. Listen, you can figure it out. Be an adult and figure it out. Amen? Church is important. Well, pastor, I'm just so tired. And Listen, I have four kids. I'm a pastor. I got a lot going on, and so do you. Everybody is tired. I think about you poor moms. Lord, help you. You homeschooling moms. Lord, help you. You're tired. Be in church. Amen. That's something that we can control. Paul says, speaking the truth in love that we may grow up, which is the head, even Christ. What is the goal of the Christian life? It's to be like Christ. And church is what helps us to grow in and to be like Christ. Because at church, when we hear Bible preaching, in church we exercise those spiritual gifts. We minister one to another. That's what happens in church. We grow up to be like Christ in church. So we need church. There's safety in numbers. It's spiritually necessary. And lastly tonight, because it supplies nutrition. Look at verse 16. The whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual worthing, the measure of every part, making increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of your mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. There's a reason why I'm reading this. Pay attention. Because the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, gave themselves over to lasciviousness to work uncleanness and greediness. But you've not learned that from Christ. Look at verse 21. If so, that you've heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, put off concerning the former conversations of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which after God created righteousness and true holiness, put away lying and speaking of uh, uh, every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. I want you to catch something that the Holy Spirit says here. Look at verse 16. He says, the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted, which every, what? 
joint. So that's not talking about a marijuana joint. So just relax tonight, okay? Wow, that would... All right. <laughs> every joint supplieth according to the effectual worthy working of the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying itself in love. What these verses are masterfully illustrating to us is the necessity of the church body and how it edifies itself. Without the body of Christ being fitly joined together and compacted, without the body of Christ, there's a lack of nutrition to every part. In other words, you need the body and the body needs you. We supply that nutrition that's possible for the body to grow. Detached from the body, a body part that becomes detached from the body will what? It will die. And if a body loses too many body parts, what happens? It dies. And so the body needs itself. It edifies itself. It builds itself up in love. The body provides the nutrition, the spiritual nutrition necessary for growth. Not just numerical growth, that's fine, but actually spiritual growth in our lives. We need the body. Brother Gonzalez, I need you, and you need me. Brother Patrick, I need you, and you need me. Dominic, I need you, and you need me. I need you, Josh. You need me, and you two guys need each other, and you two guys need each other. We need each other. We're the body of Christ. We supply nutrition to each other, and without each other, we will die. We'll be depleted. The body edifies. It builds itself in love. The church is not a property. Are you listening? The church is not a property. The church is not a program. I'm going to church. You're not going to a program. The church is not even preaching. The church is the people. So when you say, I'm missing church, you're not missing the property. You're not missing the program. You're not missing the preaching. You're missing the people. And the people need you. And you need the people. We need each other. If I were to die tomorrow, and it took you four or five months or six months or whatever to find another pastor, you'd still have each other, the church. Amen? We are the people. We are the body. We are the church. We need one another. When you're not here, listen carefully. I'm almost done. When you're not here, you're not supplying the nutrient the body needs. When you're not here, you're not being supplied the nutrients that you need. What happens when the body loses enough of its parts? It begins to die. What happens when you become detached from the body? You eventually die. As your pastor, I admit to you, I could do better at going after people that are missing church. There's plenty of room for growth in that area, visiting and encouraging those who miss church. But ultimately, church is your responsibility. Faithfulness to church is your responsibility. For your own sake, for your family's sake, for the sake of others, be in church. Be in church. Maybe some of us tonight think to ourselves, man, going to church again? <laughs> going to church again? How many of you grew up in church? How many of you said when you were a kid, going to church again? Some of you had drug, drug problems when you were kids. You got drugged to every church service, amen? <laughs> drugged to Sunday morning, drugged to Sunday night, drugged to, you know. Amen. I understand. I understand that. But boy, we need it, don't we? Ultimately, we're responsible for our own spiritual health and for the sake of others and for our own sake. We need church. Paul says, don't be like the Gentiles 
Don't alienate yourself and be alone. Be separated. Be vulnerable. Don't do that. We've not learned that from Christ. If you have learned Christ and you've been taught his principles, put away all that old stuff. Put away all those old things and those old philosophies and put on the new man. Well, Pastor, I'm busy. I have a lot of stuff to do. I have a life outside of church. Wait a minute. Wait, hold on a second. I thought you were a new creature. I I thought that you have a new life in Christ. I thought Christ was your life. I thought you said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live not by the faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I thought that's what you said. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, which is acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I thought that's what you said when you got saved. Well, I have a life outside of church. No, Christ is your life. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. Pastor, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. He is our life. As new creatures, as the body of Christ, it should be a natural thing for us to prioritize church. If Christ becomes the center, listen to me, I'm almost done. As Christ becomes the center of your life, it should be a natural thing to prioritize church. You ought to say, I'm not missing church for that. Did I lose you? We ought to be able to say, I'm not missing church for that. Ain't going to happen. I'm not missing church for that. Hey, we want you to come over. Nope, not missing church for that. I'm not doing that. It's priority. Say, Pastor, you guys have four hours of church every week. (laughs) That's a lot. Two deputies in Plain City, Utah, pursued a seven-year-old boy who was driving a Dodge Intrepid. This was back in July 26 of 2009. His name was Preston Scarborough. I just think that I can picture one of my kids here. He reached speeds of upwards of 40 miles an hour, running from the police. Finally, the police caught up with him and, and got this seven-year-old to pull into the parking lot, and they pulled him out of the car. And they said, what in the world are you doing? What are you trying to do? And he said, I'm just trying to keep from going to church, is what he said. I understand we get that way sometimes. But the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. It's amazing what happens when church becomes a priority in your life. It's amazing. It's amazing. What happens is you begin to remove those places the devil can creep into. And you begin to experience joy in your life. And you begin to experience a joy with your family. And you begin to experience love and, and a camaraderie with saints. And, and listen, I'm just saying it's an amazing thing when you decide, I'm going to put church first in my life. It's just an amazing thing. But the opposite is true when you decide not to make church priority in your life. It's an amazing thing how quickly the devil has place. The church, the body of Christ, edifies itself in love. When we separate ourselves, we alienate ourselves from church. We're giving the devil a lot of spots to sneak in. We're allowing him ample room to sneak into our homes, into our lives. And like the super termite, he begins to eat away at us from the inside out. You know what the problem is with termites? Most people don't know they have termites until it's too late. Most people don't go around their house looking for termites. (laughs) They usually have a house inspection or something like that. They're selling their home. And all of a sudden, like, oh, man, we have termites. They don't realize it. You know what the problem with Satan is sometimes? We don't take care of business until it's too late. People hear a message like this, 
They shrug their shoulders. They go home and live the rest of their life like it never happened. Maybe tonight it's time to go to Home Depot and buy a can of that stuff. That's, you know, maybe it's time to go home and fill some cracks in our life. Amen? Spiritually speaking, don't literally do that, but spiritually speaking, maybe there's some cracks. Maybe there's some holes. Maybe there's some things you know that Satan's been working his way up in there. Maybe tonight's tonight you go home and say, you know what? Uh-uh, we're, we're filling these cracks. We're filling these cracks. How many of you knew that there was a man who was president for only one day? Anybody know that tonight? One person? Anybody else know? In America's history, one time in history, there was a man who was president for one day. Who knew that? Anybody else know that? Just a couple of you. Mrs. Dollar knows. In American history, there was one man who was president for one day. Only one man and only one day. This is true. President James K. Polk spent his last day as president on March the 3rd, 1849. And at midnight, Polk was out of office. His successor, General Zachary Taylor, who was a staunch churchgoer, refused to be sworn in on March the 4th, 1849, because it was Sunday. He said, quote, going to church is a higher priority than becoming the president of the United States, unquote. He postponed the inauguration until Monday, March the 5th. So for one day, Senator, uh, U.S. Senator David Atkinson of Missouri was president pro tempore of the U.S. for one day. Can you think of anything tonight more important than becoming the president of the United States? Zachary Taylor could. It was going to church. May we decide with passion. I know that COVID just happened and there's a lot of weird stuff that happened. Okay, it's all in the past. But may we tonight, with passionate hearts, decide for our families, decide for our future, decide for our church that in 2021, we are going to be faithful to our New Testament faith, our New Testament doctrine, and our New Testament practice of going to church. May we decide to be faithful to church in our generation. Let's pray together tonight.